You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. It is so good to be here in Millsboro. If we haven't met before, my name is Cotter, and I'm the Next Steps pastor at our Rehoboth campus. Um, But I actually grew up here at this campus. I always sat over here, and so it's so nice when I get the opportunity to be back and to worship with you guys on a Sunday. So it's so good to see you guys here in the building. And uh, one of the things I think is so cool about Bayshore is that we uh, meet in different locations, but we also have people that join us online every Sunday, people that join us through YouTube and Facebook and people that listen to the podcast during the week. And uh, I just think that's so awesome. So can we make some noise for everybody that's joining us online this morning? And our online family has been on my mind a lot recently because that's how my family's been experiencing Bayshore for the last month. And the reason for that is because our second son was just born. So just about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. Um, here, here's a picture of them. So uh, that's obviously our oldest son, Taj, hanging out there. And then our youngest son, Indy, that was just born last month. So uh, it has been a whirlwind of a month. Um, sleep, I don't really know what that word means anymore. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I know what diapers are. I can tell you that. I know what a lot of diapers are. Uh, but it's, it's been a good month. Every once in a while, I kind of have these like uh, daydreams where I think back about January. And, and in January, I used to get eight hours of sleep a night. I used to have hobbies and like energy. It was amazing, but usually when I try to daydream about that kind of stuff and remember that I get snapped back to reality because there's another diaper that needs to be changed. So not a whole lot of time to look back on that. But uh, this morning, our message is called Don't Look Back. And we're going to be hopping into the Old Testament to read a really powerful story about the importance of keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to start in the book of Genesis. Genesis, the first book in the Bible. That's where we're starting this morning. And if you need a Bible or if you have a friend that needs a Bible, we got free Bibles right over here on this side of the room. If you need one, a friend needs one, please see one of our volunteers and they'll hook you up. That's what those Bibles are for. Uh, So the story that we're reading about today is about a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And This was a very, very evil city. And the people that lived in the city, they just did unimaginable things. It was a really, really bad place. And so we'll put these first verses up on the screen. This comes from Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 20. So it says, Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not... I will know. And so there's a city known as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the people there, um, they were just doing such bad things. And, and so God wanted to send some angels there to see if it was really as bad as, as what it seemed like it was. And so these angels go there, they experience it, and they realize it was just as bad as, as they expected. But they found one man there in the city who was resisting the evil taking place. And He had made his home there, but he wasn't taking part in all the terrible things that were happening. And and this man was named Lot. 
Now, Lot, he was the nephew of Abraham. You guys may have heard of Abraham. He's a, a big deal in the Old Testament of the Bible. And so Abraham loved God and, and his nephew Lot that we see in the story. He also loved God. And that's why he was resisting the evil taking place there. And, and so these angels, they come and they experience the wickedness of this city. And then they tell Lot, look, this city is going to be destroyed because of how evil the people here had become. So God gave Lot and his family a chance to be saved before the city was destroyed. Now, Lot's family was, was Lot, his wife, his two daughters, and his two daughters' future husbands. So six of them in total. But then when Lot went and he told the future husbands of his daughters that, that they needed to escape because the city was going to be destroyed, they totally ignored him. They did not think he was being serious. They just went on with their own lives. And, uh, and so we'll move on into chapter 19 of Genesis, and we'll put these next verses up on the screen. This is chapter 19, starting in verse 15. It says, With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. So this, this destruction is about to happen, and the angels are urging Lot and his family to get out of the city, but, but Lot hesitates. And the story says that the God was, was merciful to him because Lot wasn't sure if he wanted to leave, but, but God gave him a second chance. And, and so the angels grab his hands and the hands of his family and they, they rush them out of safety or out of, out of the city to safety. And as they get clear of the city, one of the angels stops and says, flee for your lives. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. And, and so the angels are saying, look, you're out of the city, and, and that's the first step to being safe. But you need to, rem if you want to remain safe, you have to keep going. You can't turn back. You can't look back at the city. You just have to keep going, and you cannot stop. Now, if you follow those instructions, you'll be safe. But, but if you stop or if you look back, you're, you're not going to make it. So let's keep reading. We'll, we'll hop back in with verse 23, and we can put this up on the screen. So starting in verse 23, it says, by the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. So Lot and his daughters, they, they followed the instructions of the angels. They ran away. They didn't look back. They kept going until they reached safety. And then Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. And, and it seemed like a, a perfect ending. Like the, the evil place is destroyed. The good people are safe. But then we see verse 26. And in verse 26, it says that Lot's wife turned back and, and she didn't make it. So, so Lot's wife, she chose to look back on that city. She failed to follow those instructions. And because of that, she lost her life. Now, I think this story has so many valuable lessons for us because it's full of warnings about ways that we can lose sight of Jesus in our lives. And, and we're going to look at some things today that we can learn from this story. And the first place that I think we should start is how Lot's wife chose to look back at the city. Now, now, when those angels came 
to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they warned Lot's family of what was going to happen. Then they helped the family escape, but they warned them, look, as you escape, you cannot look back. So, so let's put these two verses back on the screen. We'll, we'll put up verse 17, and then down lower is verse 26. So first verse 17 says, as soon as they, as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, don't look back, don't stop anywhere in the plain, Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. Then, then down in verse 26, it says, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. So the warning was clear. Don't look back, don't stop. And the consequences were clear. If you look back or if you stop, you're not going to make it. And Lot's wife, she knew the situation, but she still failed to obey. And, and I think what this shows us is that her, her heart was not fully committed to leaving her old life behind. You know, that was her home. The people there were her friends, and she wasn't ready to let go of that. You know, God sent his angels to this family to say, look, this place that you're living in, it is not a good place for you to live. It is, it is full of evil, and you guys need to leave, and you need to go elsewhere. But Lot's wife didn't value the things of God more than she valued her own comfort and more than she valued the life that she built there. And, and look, here's our first takeaway from this. We can put this up on the screen. When we choose to live for Jesus, we let go of our old life. When we choose to live for Jesus, we let go of our old life. Living for Jesus is saying, look, I'm not going to live the way that I used to live. Everything in my life, all of my choices, they're all going to be based on what Jesus wants for me and what Jesus says is best. And so life becomes not about what seems good to us and what feels good to us or what other people are doing, what's comfortable or what's easy. It's no longer about any of that. When we live for Jesus, life is about what Jesus wants for us. It's about what God says is good. It's about what God says is right. It's about following his commands, and it's about loving the people around us. And uh, I think we can see a really cool um, a lesson of this in Hebrews chapter 12. And so we'll put Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 up on the screen. So this says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so this, this section starts out with the word therefore, and I think that's such a cool word. It's kind of like saying, okay, like let's get down to business. Here's what we need to do. So, so therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders, and let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, how many of you guys uh, did chores around the house growing up? Whether it was taking out the trash or doing the dishes? I was just doing the dishes this morning. Um, now, now, there's some chores that like, are, are not fun to do, and there's some chores that, that aren't that bad. Like doing the dishes, I don't, I don't mind that. Um, there's some chores that are just the worst. And, and if you had siblings like me, I felt like I always got stuck with doing the ones that were the worst. I'm the youngest kid. So my, my older siblings, they got to pick the ones they wanted to do. I would get stuck with things like taking the trash out after dinner. I, I was not a fan of that. It's dark and creepy outside. Like we, we lived out in the country. I, I did not know what was hiding outside and I didn't want to go out there. So not a fan of that one. But the absolute worst chore of all time is cleaning out the junk drawer. How many of you guys had to do that growing up? 
Man, every single house has a junk drawer. And, and when my wife Emily and I got married, we said, look, we are going to be clean, organized people. We're not going to have a junk drawer. In our first house, we had a junk drawer. And, and then we moved, and we were like, all right, we have a, we have a new house we're moving into. We are going to make good decisions here. No junk drawer. We have a junk drawer here as well. It, it just kind of happens, right? Like over time, you put all of the random stuff that accumulates on the table and the counters, and you just shove it into this magical drawer, and it disappears. It's amazing. You got people coming over, push everything in the junk drawer. You need space on the counters for meal prepping, push everything in the junk drawer. And, and over time, it, it starts to look like this. We got a picture we can put up on the screen. Now, I, I found this picture on Google, but this is almost exactly what the junk drawer at my parents' house looked like growing up. And as a kid, I just could not stand it when it was my turn to clean this out because there were so many random batteries and random cords that you had to find in this thing, and you'd have to get them all untangled and sorted out. And this right here is exactly what I picture when I read these verses from Hebrews 12 that talk about how easily sin entangles. When we're surrounded by sin, sin becomes a part of us. And we may not even realize it when our headphone cord and our charging cable go into the junk drawer. They're, they're not tangled up together, but over time they become inseparable. And, and that's what happens in our lives when we allow ourselves to be surrounded by sin, if we put ourselves in bad situations and expose ourselves to things that we shouldn't, over time, that sin is going to become a part of us and it's going to influence us. And that's what happened with Lot's wife. You know, she lived in this city for years. It was her home. And over time, the allure of all of that sin that she was surrounded by, it had an influence over her. She was around it every day, and that constant exposure to it, it numbed her to how bad it really was, and, and then it entangled her. And, and so when this angel came and, and told her to escape and to not look back on her old life, she couldn't do it. Now, the Bible says that, that to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Lot's wife didn't hate evil. Not at all. Lot's wife entertained evil. She lived surrounded by it for years, and when it came time for her to choose between living for God or continuing to live surrounded by evil, she chose what had become so normal for her, and, and that cost her her life. Because she had been entangled in that sin, she chose that sin over God, and, and that's a heavy story. Those are real-life consequences, but when we choose Jesus— we're also choosing to say no to the world. We're choosing to say no to the allure of sin. And, and Lot's wife, she tried to have it both ways. She tried to escape and listen to God while also looking back at her old life. And, and that's not how it works. To choose Jesus is to reject our old life. It's to reject sin. It's saying, look, I am going to live for Jesus, and I'm no longer going to live the way that I used to live. Instead, I'm going to follow Jesus' instructions for how I should live, and I'm going to let go of anything in my life that doesn't line up with that. It's so important for us to evaluate the things that we are allowing into our lives, because when we let sinful things in, 
Over time, they become normal to us. And and as it becomes normal to us, we start looking back more and more to our old life without Jesus. And, And listen to this. We cannot look forward to Jesus if we are looking back, admiring our old life without him. We cannot look forward to Jesus if we are looking back, admiring our old life without him. Living for Jesus means letting go of our past and not looking back, only looking forward at life with Jesus. And if you think about Lot's wife, you know, she started out in the right direction. Well, let's toss Genesis 19, verse 16 up on the screen. So it says, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. So Lot's wife escaped the city like she began this journey away with her husband and her daughters, but it was while she was running away that she didn't stay committed, and she turned to look back. She started off focused on God, but then she stopped. And somewhere along the way, she started admiring her her past, and then she chose that past over God. And and so our first point today was that when we choose to live for Jesus, we let go of our old life. And and we're going to add on to that for our second point today to say that we don't turn back. So when we choose to live for Jesus, we let go of our old life, and we don't turn back. Now look with me to the section we read in Hebrews chapter 12 earlier. Uh, We'll put this on the screen. Earlier we read Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2, and and now I want to look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So so when it says consider him, it's it's talking about Jesus. And, And what this verse is saying is that Jesus went through so much for us. Jesus was mocked and beaten and killed. And and through all of that, he remained faithful to God. He faced all of those things and he never wavered in his commitment to God. And so if Jesus can do that for us, we can endure whatever we face in life for him. We can remain focused on him no matter what challenges we face. When, When we deal with loss, when we are grieving, when we are anxious and and tired and worn out, we can remain committed to Jesus through anything because he did it for us. And, And also because he promises to be with us, to help us. He promises to give us strength. He promises to, to help us so that we won't grow weary and and we won't lose heart. And We see this in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, we see this, and we can put this up on the screen. It says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Look, when we are tired, when we are struggling, when it feels so hard to hold on to Jesus— God promises to give us the strength to keep going. He promises to overcome our fear and to give us strength and help. But we have to choose to remain faithful to him. Lot's wife, she didn't choose that. When life got hard and everything that she cared about was being destroyed, she took her eyes off of God. That was the moment she needed to cling to God and instead she chose to take her eyes off of him and And look, what this family was dealing with, like, it was so intense. But Lot and his two daughters, they faced the same trial, 
and they chose to keep their eyes on Jesus. They looked forward. They trusted in his promise to keep them safe, and because of that, they were saved. Like, life is going to be full of trials. We will experience times that are painful. We all experience times that are hard to walk through, but God promises that he's going to be our rock. He promises that he's going to be our strength, that he's going to give us peace in every trial. We just have to trust him. We have to wake up each day and say, you know what? Life is really hard right now, and it's difficult to even get out of bed right now, but today I'm going to choose to read my Bible. And today I'm going to choose to pray and thank God for giving me another day that I can be alive. And and I'm going to choose to depend on Jesus to get me through whatever it is that I'm facing. When we choose to live for Jesus, we let go of our old life and we don't look back. Now, we've been focusing a lot on Lot's wife this morning, and and, uh, I think we just need to give her a break. We've been been giving her a lot of heat for her bad decisions this morning, so um, we'll give her a break. And and I want to focus on Lot. And and look, Lot made it out of the city. Lot, Lot listened in the end. But I think Lot made some mistakes along the way that we can learn from. And so we're going to rewind in the story a little bit. So we've been reading from Genesis 19. That's been our our main spot that we've been at. But if we rewind a little bit to Genesis 13, we kind of see where the situation began. And so as we we rewind a few chapters, we're rewinding a, a few years. And so at this time, Lot and Abraham were living in the same area. And so... Uh, Abraham, we said, um, Lot was his nephew. And so they're living in the same area. And and over time, their possessions grew, their herds of animals grew, and the area they were living in became too small for for them to both be there. And so they came together and they said, look, we we should separate and find a bigger space so that we can both kind of have our room and and have room for our, our possessions and our families to grow. And so That brings us to Genesis 13, verse 11, and we'll put this up on the screen. It says, So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So first, uh, there's a a couple of really important things that I want to point out in in these verses. And and the first one is that Lot chose for himself the region that he was going to live in. Okay, so when they came together, Abraham didn't choose for Lot where he was going to go. Lot made that choice. He chose that region. So that's the first thing. Second thing that we see here is that Lot had this whole region that he could pick where he was going to live, where he was going to place his home. And out of that whole region, he made the choice to place his home outside of Sodom. And and now when when I first read this, I was like, that's a... That's an interesting spot to choose to live. And so I thought maybe maybe Sodom wasn't so bad when he chose to live there. But verse 13 says that the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord, even at that time when Lot chose to place his family there. So Lot chose to willingly place his family right in the midst of a wicked, sinful city. And look, this is what that shows us. It shows us that Lot failed to protect the people that were in his life. He chose to place his home in a city that was surrounded by evil, and and this affected them. His wife was affected by it. 
The, the men that his daughters were going to marry, they were affected by it. When, when the angels came to Lot's family in, in Genesis 18 and 19, there were, there were six people in his family that they were trying to protect and that they were trying to get out of the city and help escape. Now, out of those six, do you guys remember how many of them were actually saved? Three. Only three out of the six made it. Lot and his daughters were the only ones that made it out safely. His future husbands of his daughters, they chose to ignore the warning. And then his wife, she failed to keep her eyes on God. Half of his family didn't make it out because the sinfulness of that city that they lived in, it influenced them. That sinfulness gained more importance in their lives than their devotion to God. And, and Lot chose to place his family in that spot. He chose to expose them to evil, and it cost three of them their lives. Now, check out these verses with me from uh, Proverbs 4. This is Proverbs 4, starting in verse 14. Put this on the screen. It says, don't do as the wicked do. Don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. Don't do as the wicked do. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. Now, does that sound like what Lot did? No. Lot did the opposite of that. Not only did he choose to not keep moving, but he set his home right in the midst of evil and every day his family was exposed to it. Now, they may not have participated in it, but their devotion to God and their standard of holiness decreased day by day as they were bombarded with all of that wickedness. And, and look, Lot's wife, she made her choice. She's the one who decided not to remain faithful to God. But her choice was impacted by Lot, who placed her in the midst of temptation and evil. He never should have placed his family there in such an evil and sinful place. And, and so here's our final point today, and, and we'll put this up on the screen. Our final point is to protect the people you influence. Protect the people you influence. We have a responsibility to protect the people in our lives. We have a responsibility to lead them, we have a responsibility to point them to Jesus and to protect them from evil. And, and we all have people in our lives that look up to us, that are under our influence. And, and you might think, nobody is, is under my influence. Nobody looks up to me. Listen, people look up to you. You might not think it, but people look up to you. It might be your spouse, your kids, your, your friends, your coworkers, your, your neighbors, and your life, your actions are a picture to them of what is acceptable. Your integrity, how you treat people. Listen, the shows you watch on TV, the things you say, the music you listen to, the habits that you have, what you tolerate in your life, that shows everyone that looks up to you what they can tolerate. It shows them what is acceptable and what is good. And we have a responsibility to protect the people that we influence. Lot's wife, Lot's whole family, they, they couldn't resist the same temptations that he could resist. You know, he was exposed to the wickedness of the city. And, and even through that, he was able to keep his devotion to God. But 
Half of his family wasn't strong enough to remain committed to God, so he should have never placed them in that danger. Look, just because we can tolerate something doesn't mean that the people that we influence can. They may not be able to resist the same temptations that we can, and and so we need to ask ourselves, what things am I allowing into my life, and who's being affected by those? Who is getting their sense of what is acceptable for my actions? Now, Now, don't you guys think that if Lot had a redo, and you could go back to Genesis 13, where he was trying to find this new place to live. Don't you think that he would have chosen to place his family as far away from Sodom and Gomorrah as possible? Like knowing what he knew, knowing that the sinfulness and the wickedness of this city was going to cost half of his family their lives. Don't you think that he would have just done anything he could to protect them and, and keep them away from that city? Now, now speaking of protecting people, um, a lot of times people get a dog to protect their house. And uh, Emily and I, we we have a dog, um, but he does not protect our house. He thinks that everyone that comes to our door wants to be best friends with him. And we got a picture of him we can put up on the screen. This is Koa. He is our uh, little Siberian husky. Now, um, I got to be honest, this picture was from a few years ago. This is probably Koa minus about 10 to 15 pounds of what he is now. Now, um, before we had kids, I took pictures of him all the time. My, my wife and I were just watching a video of us singing happy birthday to him. Like, we treated him like he was a human. Um, but then, you know, we had, uh, we had kids, and he kind of got put on the, the back burner a, a little bit, and, and we don't give him as much love as we used to. Now, now last year, we were kind of feeling bad about that, and, uh, and so we... We started letting our dog sleep in the room with us. Now, not on the bed, I'm not crazy, but like on the floor. Um, so we, we let him sleep in there on the floor and look, he loved it. It was like the greatest thing in the world to him. Every night we would be downstairs eating and instead of like trying to get food from us when we dropped it, like he wouldn't come over and try to pick up our food. He was sitting upstairs outside of our door waiting for us to go to bed because he didn't want to miss out on that. So he just like absolutely loved that so much. And, uh, and so um, while, uh, while we would sleep, like he would be in there, he'd be on the floor and we'd be completely asleep. But while we were sleeping, he would go around on the floor and he would eat all the stuff that he could find in the room. So he was eating, like, baby toys. He was eating baby socks. He was eating anything. Like, he was like a dog vacuum. It was, it was crazy. And, and we, like, you know, we kind of knew that he was eating stuff. But we let it happen. It didn't seem like a big deal. And until last spring, when on two separate occasions, he ate things that, that almost killed him. Like, no joke. We had to go to the animal ER, like, rush over there two different times, and they had to save, save him and, and get things out of his dog belly. The, the first time, it was like a, a baby sock. That was really, really bad. The second time, it was like a, a little baby toy. It was like a little stuffed uh, basketball. And, and so after seeing what he would do when we gave him freedom to roam around our room at night, we realized that he wasn't capable of making good decisions in that room, and he just needed to sleep somewhere else. And so he doesn't sleep in our room anymore, and uh, the animal ER, they don't get our money anymore. It's kind of like a, it's been a win-win for the last few months. And, and look, Emily and I have never been tempted to like go around the room and eat baby socks or baby toys. It's just something that literally has never crossed my mind. But if our dog is in the room all night long with those things, 
The only thing that he's going to be thinking about is eating that. And so he doesn't sleep anymore. We got him out of the room. Now, Lot in the story, he was able to live in this evil place without losing his devotion to God, but his family wasn't able to do that. So instead of him exposing his family to that, he should have gotten them out of there. Now, now look, for Lot, it's too late. Like, his decisions have been made, but for us, it's not too late. So what things can you be protecting the people in your life from? What are the things that the people that you influence aren't strong enough to handle? Look, can we get real for a second? What content filters are you setting up on your phone and your iPad and your computer and your TV for your kids and your grandkids so that they're not seeing things and so they're not hearing things that are not good for them? They need you to protect them from those things. And how are you protecting your friends from the things that they struggle with? If you've got friends that are struggling from an addiction with, with alcohol and they're trying to recover from that, maybe when you go watch March Madness, you don't go to the sports bar. Maybe you invite them over to your house so that they're not surrounded by the one thing that they're trying to keep out of their life. Look, we support the people around us and we help them fight their battles when we make sacrifices that protect them from evil. Lot's dream in, in his whole life, he, he, he wanted to live in this one spot. It was like living on the beach to him. It was like this one place he wanted to live. He picked this region, and then he picked this one spot. That's where he wanted to live. But living in that location was not what was best for his family, and so he should have given up his dream. He should have been willing to make sacrifices so that the people in his life would be protected. When we look at the story of Lot's family, there are a lot of lessons we can learn from, from Lot's wife and her mistakes. But those mistakes wouldn't have happened if Lot would have just stepped up and got his family out of a bad situation. So who are the people in your life that need your help to stay out of bad situations? Who are the people in your life that need you to support them in fighting against their past? Who needs you to point them to Jesus and protect them from the sinfulness and the allure of the distractions in this world? Look, we all have influence with our friends, with our family, with our children, and the great theologian, Peter Parker's uncle, a.k.a. Spider-Man's uncle, he said, um, a great quote, he said, with great power comes great responsibility. And I love that quote, but uh, I want to change a little bit for us this morning to say that with great influence comes great responsibility. With great influence comes great responsibility. So who do you influence? Who is watching your life? And what can you do to point them to Jesus? What can you do to join them in fighting against their past and against the evil in this world? Lot failed to protect the people that were under his influence when they were in a bad situation, and it tore his family apart. We all have the opportunity to act. We have the opportunity to come alongside the people in our lives to help them fight their battles. We have the opportunity to set up safeguards that will protect them from being overcome by evil. So what are you going to do to protect the people that you influence? When we choose to live for Jesus, we let go of our old life, and we don't look back, 
and we protect the people that we influence. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning, and uh, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to come here to church to worship you together, and I thank you, Lord, for stories like this. Um, I thank you for giving us examples of, of how others have failed so that we can we can learn from it and make changes in our lives. And, and God, I pray that you help us to really think about our lives, help us to think about what we're allowing in and, and whether it's worth it. I pray that you'll help us to make those necessary decisions to cut things out that, that don't align with your word. I pray, Lord, that you will give us a, a wonderful day. I pray that anybody who is thinking about putting their faith in you, God, I pray that I pray that you would push them to make that step because life with you is, is better than any other life. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.